You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Then we get to demonstrate what His goodness looks like through our own personality, through our own sense of humor, through our own characteristics. Um, It's just amazing. And so you guys are going to see a sign and a wonder today, and it's going to be me standing still behind <laughs> behind this uh, pulpit. Um, and so some don't believe I can do it, and I take that as a challenge. Of course, they haven't seen. I preached early on, and and um, the early years of speaking. Thankfully, some of you didn't hear those messages. Um, I feel sorry for the people that had to listen to them. But I did stand still a few times uh, in, in the 10 years that I've been speaking. So we'll try it again today and see what happens. We're new to Facebook Live. It's something that, because of the current situation, it was forced upon us, essentially, for us to be able to reach everyone that needs to or wants to stay at home and also to abide by the government restrictions. And I don't want to say restrictions. What the government is suggesting that we do, we want to honor our president, um, and so we believe in, in submitting to governing authorities. The Bible says it in Romans 13, as long as they're not telling us to do anything that's against what the Word of God says. And, and that's not happening in, in our nation um, to, to this point, at least not within um, in, the, in the local church. And so uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to start uh, part two of Grace Empowers Us and talk about what grace actually does. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you've already done through worship. Thank you for all that you're going to do through revelation in your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come as the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who the Father is and who we are in his image and in his likeness. That you would blow up our paradigms, that you would overhaul our thinking, that you would help us to to get rooted and grounded not only in love, um, but also in who we are as sons and daughters. And so we thank you that you're ministering to people right now, and you're bringing not only fresh revelation, but aha moments of people just getting, getting it, revelations that maybe we're not even talking about, just in your presence, anything's possible. And so we thank you for your presence increasing as we get into your word and spend these next few moments together, we thank you for your presence increasing and supplying every need that we have in Jesus' name. Amen. Whew. All right. And so just to do a little bit of review, I talked about grace last week. I ended talking about grace in the other aspect of, of grace that I have an understanding of. Grace is such a broad topic, like everything within the Bible, that you can't unpack it in, in a single session. You can't unpack it in a six-week series. There's just a lot to it. And so just remember that anything that anybody teaches you 
First and foremost, it should drive us into a deeper place of intimacy with Jesus, and then it should also cause us to be hungry for the Word that takes us into a place of studying out the Word and getting a revelation for ourselves, not only, um, not only what somebody, not living off somebody what somebody tells us or their revelation, but getting our own revelation through the Word of God. It's vitally important. Um, there's no better time than the present for it. And when situations are happening like are happening in the world today, we find out what our current level of faith is. This is a gauge when, when catastrophe happens, when bad things happen in our own personal life or the way that they're happening globally right now we find out what our level of faith is. And sometimes that level of faith isn't where we believe that it needs to be or we know that it needs to be. And that's okay. There's no condemnation or shame in that. God's not mad at you. It's just an invitation for all of us to go deeper into a place of faith through reading the word of God and having an intimate relationship with Jesus so that our faith can be strengthened. And when storms come, we will be left not only standing, but advancing in the kingdom. Like when storms happen, the church and the, the body of Christ and sons and daughters of God weren't created just to hang on and survive. Oh, we'll just, hopefully we'll survive this thing. No, it, it's not about surviving. It is, it is literally about thriving in every season. The world is looking for hope right now. They're looking for hope. They're looking for light in the midst of darkness. And we have a huge opportunity to be able to bring both hope and, and light and life and love and all those amazing things that start with L that we find in the Bible that we get to release. We have an amazing opportunity right now to be able to not only push back darkness, but destroy darkness, to release hope to both the church and the lost, and to be able to see this great harvest that has been prophesied about. I mean, some say it's a billion soul harvest. I'm believing God for more than a billion souls because there's seven point some odd billion people on the planet. And so I'm just, I'm not putting a number on it. I'm just believing him for billions of souls, uh, believing him for the whole world to be saved. In Timothy, it says that, that the Father's will is that none perish um, but that all be saved. And we'll talk about that Greek word sozo, hopefully here in a few minutes. And so I just want to remind everybody that there have been prophetic words that have been spoken about not only revival, but reformation. Revival's already happening. It's happening in Iran. It's, it's happening in China. It's happening in places in America. It's happening in other parts of the world that I'm unaware of because I have a very small scope of what is actually happening in the body of Christ along with the rest of us. Even if we feel like we know a lot that's going on, we actually know very little of what God's doing. I'm grateful for what I get to know, but I also realize at the same time that there's so much more. I probably know about one or 2% of what's really happening in the world and what God's up to, which brings me more hope because what I see happening is amazing. But I'm reminded of those prophetic words that have been spoken to us personally, to the body of Christ as a whole, to our specific region of, of what God is, is doing and what God is going to do. Keep in mind that when those prophetic words were released, when God spoke those things to us in the secret place and we were able to release them to others to bring hope and that we could join together in, in unity and in prayer and, and bond together and, and agree on, on that word coming to pass, 
the father knew this was going to happen. Like this didn't take him by surprise. He's not caught off guard. He's not up there freaking out, sitting on the edge of his seat, not figuring out what to do. He is looking with anticipation and eyes full of hope of how the church, how his bride, how the sons and daughters of God are going to respond, how he knows they're going to respond in this time. Like he's not waiting to see how we're going to respond. He knows how we're going to respond. And he is excited because the enemy is grasping at straws to try to bring something to us that will dismantle us. But what he doesn't realize is that what he's doing is actually causing us to bond together closer and is going to make us stronger and is going to actually cause the kingdom of heaven to advance further and faster than if there wasn't any opposition against us. That's what's happening right now. He is, his opposition, him opposing us, him trying to bring fear is just going to ex- expose more darkness. And, and because of that, more light will be increased throughout the earth. Remember that that darkness only exists where there is an absence of light. That's the only way it can exist, is if there is no light there. And you and I are now, because Jesus lives in us and we live in him, in, in union, in oneness, that we become with him the light of the world. He is, he originally is the light of the world. He told the disciples uh, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, I believe in Matthew chapter 5, is that he turned and said to them, you are the light of the world. And then, right, he told them in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go therefore and disciple all nations, baptize them and teach them to do all the things that I taught you. And so one of those things is for us to be light. So how can we be, how can we be light? I mean, that sounds really spiritual, but for those of us that may not be mature or seasoned Christians, there's an understanding of that that this sometimes misses us. And those of us that teach, which I've done this plenty of times myself, is that I've made an assumption that language I use actually makes sense to people who don't understand church language. And so I hope to be able to give us an understanding today of, of the other side of or another aspect, maybe better said, another aspect of what grace is. And so what I talked about last week is the aspect of grace that Jesus released at the cross. When the Father sent Jesus to earth, he sent him on assignment to do multiple things. One of those things was to destroy the power that sin held because of what Adam and Eve did in the beginning, and then breaking that said power over all those that would say yes to him. Like his will is for everybody to say yes, but for those of those that those people that don't say yes, that power of sin still holds them captive. Or for those people that have said yes to Jesus and are Christians and just don't know their identity then that power of sin will still hold them captive because in the kingdom, people, it says in the Bible that people perish for lack of knowledge or lack of understanding. And so not having revelation in the kingdom is not bliss like we talk about in the world. When they say ignorance is bliss, that's a a saying that happens in the world. That is not true in the kingdom. Ignorance actually costs me something that it's not supposed to in the kingdom, and that's why it's so important to have an intimate relationship with Jesus, 
through him, the Father and the Holy Spirit, and to, to study out the Word of God and have good mentors and spiritual fathers and mothers that can actually help me to understand what could be revelation that I'm getting or make sure that I don't get off into some weird place of error like we've watched many people in history do. And so staying accountable in community and healthy relationship where people aren't abusing their authority over you, but it's actually benefiting you to be submitted to your leaders, which is the way authority is supposed to work, then in that, in that community and healthy family, it will help us to not get off into error, but actually will help us to thrive um, through the revelation that we get and the understanding that we have of who the Father is and who we are. And so Jesus came to do that, but he also came to demonstrate to us who the Father is. He came to show us what the Father looks like. And this, these are some of my favorite passages. Um, in Colossians 1.15, it says that, this is Tony's paraphrase version, one of my favorite versions of the Bible, but it says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And that literally means that he is the stamped out copy, that he is the portrait of what the Father looks like. And so again, in Hebrews 1.3, it says that he is a replica or the express image or the exact image of what the Father looks like. And so when I say I don't know what God looks like, what I can do or what somebody should do for me is point me to the Gospels and I can look at Jesus's life. And when I look at Jesus's life, I can say this is what the Father looks like. And anything outside of what Jesus does and how he responds or how he even reacts should cause me to question my understanding of what the nature of the Father is. So if Jesus didn't respond like that or didn't look like that, then I should think to myself, the Father doesn't look like that. And so I'm looking at Jesus to understand what the Father looks like. It says it again in the Gospel of John in chapter 1, around verse 18. It says that Jesus actually declared the Father. He declared him through his life, through his actions, not just through his words, but he actually declared him through everything that he did. And so I want to talk to you today about what that looks like in our own personal lives. Because you and I weren't created just to sit in a building on Sunday uh, in church or on, on Wednesday night. Or even if you, you go midweek or you don't go midweek. Whatever your, your Christian life looks like, I can say this in confidence of every single one of us that are Christians, no matter what you're walking in or no matter what you're not, is that we were all created for more. It's a guarantee that there's more for you and I to experience than what we're experiencing right now and not for our benefit. It doesn't mean that we don't benefit from being sons and daughters of God, but if somebody told you that the gospel was about you, I, I apologize. It was about the redemptive nature of who we were created to be coming back to us so that we could in turn demonstrate that same nature, that same goodness of the Father to the world around us. And I propose to you that grace is the main thing that makes that possible. And so in Ephesians 2, 8, it says, For by grace we have been saved through faith, and that is not of ourselves. 
It's not of works. It's not of anything that I could have achieved on my own so that nobody can brag. Again, my paraphrased translation of it. And so one aspect of grace that I talked about last week was the unmerited favor of God. The Father sent Jesus, and we didn't deserve it. But he said we were worth it. There's a difference between not deserving and being worth it. I hear people say all the time that they're not deserving of the grace of God or the goodness of God or love of God. And that is an accurate statement. I am not deserving. I did nothing to deserve what Jesus paid for me. But on the flip side of that, he says that I'm worth it because if he didn't think I was worth it, why would he have sent Jesus? I mean, it was the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate act of love happens through the Father's demonstration. We see it in John 3, 16, the most well-known scripture in the Bible, is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? He loved the world so much that he sent Jesus. And for me personally, that, that finishes it as far as the Father being good. God's good because he sent Jesus. If he never did another thing for me, I'm not saying that he won't or I'm not saying he doesn't want to, but I am saying if he never did anything else for me than what he's already done, that would be enough to show me that he's good. That should be enough. If that needs to be added to, I want you to hear me when I say this. I could be inadvertently not knowing I'm saying that Jesus isn't enough. Or maybe I have a misunderstanding. Maybe this is, say this might be better. Maybe I have a misunderstanding of what the gospel is actually about. Maybe I have a misunderstanding of what grace actually is. Though it is the unmerited favor of God, it gives me something unmerited, undeserved. Uh, I didn't earn it. All the things that we said about, about grace originally. And so it definitely is that. But when I only have an understanding that grace is the unmerited favor of God, I've heard so many people say, is that, well, if I, just met, if I mess up, no matter what I do, the grace of God is there to fall on. As if it's just there to be a safety net if I screw up. And that is a diminished understanding of what grace is. And uh, it is, it's, it's not the full picture, right? It's not the rest of the story of what grace is. And so though that is true, if you mess up, if I mess up, and the many times that I have in the I've been a Christian in a very short period of time since December of 2006 when I surrendered my life to Jesus um, in a paranoid, delusional, messed up, addicted state that I was in, suicidal. And, and Jesus set me free in a moment. I've messed up several times since then. And a lot of my mess ups or a lot of my mistakes or a lot of my poor choices, now that I understand I'm a powerful person, they've become poor choices not just something I can't control. But a lot of my mistakes and poor choices came from my misunderstanding of what grace is. Is that I thought grace just gave me a place to turn to when I, I sinned, I missed the mark. And then God forgave me because of that grace, because he had pity on me. And then we would, we would, would have this exchange probably, you know, a week or or the week after, or maybe the next day, of I would be sorry for the sin I committed again, and I would turn to him, and I knew that grace gave me the opportunity to be forgiven. 
which is true. But there is another understanding of grace. There is an, I'm sorry, there's another part of grace that says, there's a, this is the Greek definition, the definition of the Greek um, word for grace is divine enablement or divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. So it is quite literally, the grace comes from God. Imagine this, the grace comes from God because everything in the kingdom comes by grace. Everything in the kingdom is gift, right? Like I didn't do anything to deserve anything that I have. All my accomplishments, any degrees that I ever get, any abbreviations or letters that end up before or after my name because of those said accomplishments, any of the certificates, any of, anything like that, I will, I will know in my personal life that all of it was possible because of grace. That's just for me personally. Some of you could have accomplished the things without God. I personally couldn't. Don't believe that I could. But regardless, all those things, all those achievements, I will check at the door when I go to heaven. And Jesus won't ask me about any of them. I'm confident in saying that. Jesus won't ask me about any of those accomplishments. All right? <clears throat> and so I believe that there's one glaring question um, that is staring us all in the face that he's asking. I don't know if he'll ask it when we get to heaven, but he's asking us right now, have you learned to love? Have you and I learned to love? Not just the people that we deem to be lovable, but the people that were like some of us before we came into the kingdom. <clears throat> and so picture this, is that when God the Father released grace through the cross, the moment that you and I said yes to Jesus, that there was divine, that means from heaven, from God, there was grace that came upon each one of our lives and into us to actually make it possible for us to live the life that he said we could. That, so it, it's, I gave you one aspect of it. That's the other aspect of it. And I'm not saying that it's, it's either or, but it's both and, and more. It literally is. It's, it's both and more. And so I know there's, there's aspects of grace that I don't fully understand yet. But the Apostle Paul, he wrote 13 of the epistles out of the 23 epistles in the New Testament. And at the beginning of every one of them, he says, make says grace to you, or in some translations says, may God give you grace. He was already, he was talking to people that were already saved. They were already Christians. These were churches that he had planted, that he had started. And so he's sending this letter to believers. And so why is he saying, may God give you grace or may God give you more grace. He's saying it because he's going to share things with them that when they look at them, they will realize that in their own strength and power, it will be absolutely impossible to do. He realizes that there's no way in the world that out of all the, the uh, mental, emotional, and physical strength that they will be able to do the things that he wrote to them in the letter unless they have an understanding of grace along with the impartation that comes upon us as we grow in him. I believe that grace actually 
quite literally abounds with us as we grow. When we go to the next season or the next level, or we always talk about going from glory to glory. Essentially, that is, that is us, a Bible way of us saying that we're maturing, that we should be growing up in Jesus. And as we're growing up in him, we get revelation of things that we didn't have when we were less mature, which calls us up to a higher level of responsibility and increased influence. And that means that we are going to need more grace to be able to do those things that he's going to ask us to do at the next level. For those of us that, had, that have children or have had nieces and nephews, um, watch kids grow up, babysat, whatever it is, you know when, when kids are really small, you're not asking much of them, right? I mean, there's a certain age that kids are at that you ask them to pick up their toys and you realize that they're likely not going to do that. Like they're going to help you pick up the toys, but, they may, <laughs> but they're not going to be able to, to situate their room the way that you want them to, right? They're not going to be able to accomplish it the way that you're hoping or that you, a better way to say it is a way that they will one day be able to. So you know that they are going to have to grow up to be able to accomplish what you're asking them in that moment. But you start somewhere. And so as soon as we become sons and daughters of God and we say yes to Jesus, there's a grace that's released to do everything that we currently have an understanding of. That we're all called into this life to, a, to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible without grace. <clears throat> so let's look at Ephesians 2.8 again, 2.8 through 10. And let me unpack it in a different way. Let's get a different perspective of it. <clears throat> so for by grace, by, let's not look at it from the, the unmerited favor, undeserved favor. Let's look at it from the divine enablement, the divine influence or empowerment. So for by grace or empowerment, you have been saved through faith. Let's stop right there. That word save is the Greek word sozo. S-O. Zo, which there's sozo or inner healing ministry is what we call it, even though that doesn't completely describe the, the Greek word sozo, which is almost every place that you see the word save or saved in the New Testament. But to, in short, that Greek word sozo means to be whole, spirit, soul, and body. And why do we need to be whole? Like here, like here now not on the other side of heaven. He created us, the Father created us to be whole now. And grace, the moment that we step into this understanding of who we are as sons and daughters, it gives us, it gives us the invitation to become whole. Like if you're not whole, there's no condemnation. If you've still got wounds, if your heart's still wounded, if you've still got hurt, <clears throat> If, you, if you're going through something right now, I want to give you hope that all of that not only can be healed, but it can be, it's, it's probable because the Father wants to do it more than you want Him to. But not only can it be healed, is that He wants it to be healed so that you and I can be whole in the, in the way that He created us to. Like, he didn't create us to be fragmented sons and daughters. It doesn't mean that we can't 
live like that and still impact people and still influence people. It just means that we're supposed to be walking through stuff, not staying in stuff. Like I'm not supposed to stay in my hurt. I'm not supposed to stay in my grief. I'm not supposed to stay in my wounding. Those things happen to all of us. They have happened. They, they may be happening and they will likely happen again in some way. Because when I open my heart to unconditionally love people, I say that you can hurt me. It doesn't mean that I'm going to continually let you hurt me and not put up boundaries, right? Healthy boundaries. But it does mean that I've given you the opportunity to hurt me because I am loving with my heart wide open. And when I love with my heart wide open, it just means, just like the Father loves, it's unconditional love. There are no conditions, there are no restrictions on it. And so then I actually give you permission to hurt me. Not that I'm asking you to, but I'm saying that I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of being hurt. I'm going to get close to you, even if you're messy. I'm going to get close to you no matter where you're at in your life because somebody did that to me, and because of that, I am where I am today. And so grace actually gives us the opportunity to be whole. And it says in verse 9, it's not of works lest anyone should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me read you another verse before I tackle verse 10. Romans 8 29 says this out of the Passion Translation. It says, for he knew all about us before we were born and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. That's talking about God and talking about us. He knew us before we were born and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son, Jesus, is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. I mean, that's, it's so good. And so that's why I'm having a hard time staying still at this moment because I get excited and uh, it's just the way I was created. I'm, I'm, I get passionate about things that I love. And so he predestined us in other translations And another translation says, he predestined us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. How do I know that? Because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, there was a conversation that's happening in heaven. And it appears that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are having a conversation. And they say, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. He differentiates the word. He uses image and likeness so that they can be like us, is what he's saying. Let us create man in our image and our likeness. And then Adam and Eve fall, they make a mistake, they make a poor choice, and mankind, both male and female, lose the likeness of the Father. They lose the looking like him in everyday life. And so there are It's sprinkled throughout the Old Testament when the Spirit of God comes on people that they can look like Him while the Spirit of God is on them, but it doesn't seem to happen throughout their whole lives or the way that it's available to us now. And so we lost the likeness through Adam and Eve's fall, but we retained the image because the image of God is on the inside of every single person that ever has been 
is right now or ever will be on the planet. And so that image was discovered through the grace that Jesus released at the cross. Then we were able to see not only the image, but what the likeness looked like through Jesus. And then it says here in Romans 8, 29, that we're able to look like him in everything that we do, that we will look like him, that Jesus was the firstborn on the planet earth to actually look like the father. And then he says, come on, follow suit. Look like, look like me. Do the things that, that I do. That's why it says in Ephesians 2.10 that we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works, sometimes in our mind, we think, when we hear good, we think behavior. That, that Jesus just came so that I would behave so that I would be a nice person, so that I would be kind to people. Let me tell you that that actually should be a no-brainer. Being nice, being kind, (laughs) being generous, being loving, just smiling at people in public. It's amazing the people that walk by on the day-to-day, and you see that they don't, especially right now, but any other time also, not just now, is that you can tell that they just don't have any hope. They don't have a smile on their face. If you walk by 10 people, you may see a couple of them on average in my limited experience that they would actually be smiling because life is tough and it's even worse when we don't have any hope. And so you and I get to look like the father through the empowerment of grace, and it gives other people an opportunity, as all those that were on the planet when Jesus was, was here, and all those that have read the Gospels, we, we give them an opportunity, invitation, to actually come into a lifestyle that they were created for just like we are. Let me say this, is that Three, three and a half years ago, I was doing a, a funeral for Celebration of Life. Um, but if, if you're a pastor, you've ever been at something that was a Celebration of Life, it's often that people don't get the memo that it's a celebration. Um, and, and it becomes, it's, ju- it's just a hard, it's a hard place to celebrate somebody when you have the, the privilege that I get to stand in front of people and celebrate the memory of someone right? And so I'm in this particular funeral home, and on one side are all bikers, and on the other side are uh, Christians that are from a particular denomination that I'll leave unnamed. But neither one of them wanted to hear what I had to say. I'll just tell you that. And so in, in that setting, I'm not looking for response. Like, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to, I'm not ever trying to do this, but I'm not trying to appease the crowd. I'm not trying to sway them. I'm not there for them. The family, the, the, the main family, which in this situation was the, the wife and the kids, I am celebrating the memory of a great man who had impacted my life deeply and to be able to stand up and, and do his celebration of life was one of the, the most one of the biggest privileges I ever had. And so 
as I'm doing this, I, I get done, the family is happy, and if they're happy, I'm happy. I'm just hoping that I was able to serve them well in, in, that, in that, and that somebody got impacted for Jesus, because it's a great opportunity also to preach the gospel. Um, <clears throat> and so we're at the graveside service. We had to drive a little while to get there. My friend Brad had, had rode with me uh, to go there. And I overheard a couple of, of guys talking, this group of three. <clears throat> I had already done the graveside service, which customarily is, is less than five minutes um, at most, most funerals. And I have, I'm walking away, and I hear these guys, they're debating, they're debating theology. And, and I can tell that in their conversation that they, they cared more about right and wrong than they cared about a relationship or love. And, you know, in moments like that, I, I tell our leaders, and I take this advice myself, is that I don't grieve when I'm the one that people are looking to to, to be strong. I don't grieve in, in the way that I like to. I, I cry. I cry often. I'm, I'm not ashamed of that. I cry when I'm happy. Um, I just cry in God's presence. Um, I laugh and cry sometimes at the same time in God's presence. It's, it's all good. You, you can do it all. It's all available. And so I also cry when I'm grieving. I, I let that stuff out. I don't bottle it up. But in those moments, I tell our leaders, and the same advice I've given myself, is that I set my own personal feelings aside that are attached to this situation, and I allow the people that are around me that need me to lean on me so that I can be strong for them. And then when I get alone, I make sure that I get back to those particular feelings that I don't compartmentalize them and forget about them. <clears throat> so in doing that, after I drop Brad off on the way home, um, I'm crying my eyes out and I prayed this prayer. And I said, God, if there's anything in my foundation that's not love, I ask that you remove it and replace it with love. And if I ever have to choose between learning more theology or loving like you, I choose loving like you. I, I realize that that's not a choice that God's making or having me make, but I do realize that I would make that choice. And in making that choice, him prompting me to make that choice, he showed me the importance of love and loving people in relationship over being right um, concerning biblical theology. I, I am all for and, and know that it's vitally important to have sound biblical theology. I, I get that. I already talked about that at the beginning and getting revelation and staying in the context of a healthy family. <clears throat> but I want you to get this. That by the grace of God in that moment, he empowered me to begin to love people in a way that I'd never loved people before. He empowered me in that moment to be able to see the image of God that were placed on the inside of people from the foundation of the world. It says in Ephesians 1, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. That I, I was able to actually see past in a way that I'd never seen before, see past the stuff in people's lives, see past the darkness, the sin, the mess ups, the mistakes, their current life situations, whatever they were going through, however they were acting, the choices that they were making, I was able to see past that and see with the Father's eyes, eyes of love, and it has enabled me or us 
as a family to impact people that if that was not our approach, we would not be impacting them. And so we need to know what love looks like, and love looks like Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate demonstration, the ultimate example of what love looks like. It's what is needed most right now, as, as always. But in times like this, there's a heightened awareness to, to people that have hope, to people that love well, and people that don't. There's so many people, um, and I feel it in the atmosphere in our city. You can feel it when you walk into the store, is you can feel Fear. You can feel the oppression of fear. People are afraid. And it would be easy for me to identify the darkness, right? I can feel fear. I'm familiar with fear. It's, it was very familiar to me growing up. It was very familiar to me throughout my life. And so what I know what it feels like to be afraid. But God didn't create, create us to actually identify what is wrong, but to release the answer in place of it because what we carry and who we are and whose we are is so much greater than any fear or any darkness or anybody's mess up. There's grace that you and I have that cause us to actually conquer those things that look impossible to everybody around us. They're looking at the natural realm. They're looking at the stock market. They're they're looking at different things. They're looking at the fact that they're losing their jobs. They're looking at all of the things that are happening in the natural realm. And I'm not saying that those things don't have a level of importance, but us being able to give them a higher perspective is going to be dependent on you and I actually having that higher perspective ourselves. And so in Romans 15, it says around verse 13, I believe it says, now may the God of all hope fill you with peace and joy in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that is that right now and has been for some years is my life verse. He's the God of all hope. And so grace gives me an opportunity to have the perspective that the Father has, not only on myself, but on every single person on the planet, on this current situation. I can see above the darkness and actually begin to get a glimpse of, when I don't focus on only the natural realm, I get a glimpse of what the Father is doing behind the scenes or even in the midst of it that I would not be able to see otherwise. And it gives me, in being able to see that, if I will in intimacy, tap into that perspective of hope, I will be able to release that to others. And us doing that as the body of Christ, as sons and daughters of God, is going to shift the current climate in our cities, in our state, in our nation. It's going to shift what the news cycle is. If there's any thought in my mind that doesn't bring me hope, then I need to realize that that thought is not from the God of all hope. And I need to take it captive, as it says in 2 Corinthians 10, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus, and then I have to replace that thought with another thought. And the thought that I replace that thought with is a thought of hope, according to who God is as the God of all hope. And so this is what I challenge us us in closing. I want to remind you, remind myself that grace comes with the assignment. 
regardless of what's happening currently, the assignment that you and I have has not changed. It may have to look a little bit different currently as we're having this uh, dialogue on on Facebook Live and, and not in person, but it's actually given us the opportunity to reach more people this way which seems like God working this situation together for good, right? Romans 8, 28. But the assignment that you and I have to reach people in these times, we may need to be creative. But there's grace for new ideas, just as there's always grace to get ideas from heaven to earth. That's a lot of times what the kingdom looks like coming on earth as it is in heaven, that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6. It's the ideas that come out of heaven, and then we get to release those ideas through creativity because every one of us were created by the most creative one there is in the universe, the one who created this all. And so there's creativity in each one of us, and we can release the kingdom or release hope as we're talking about through these particular ideas. 1 Corinthians 15.10. Let me, give, let me give you a few, instant, or a few examples. Right now, social media. It's blowing up with people that are on Facebook Live and doing their services on Facebook Live. If you can't reach people in public because there aren't a lot of people out, but there are still some. And, and let, me, let me share this testimony with you. We, Lindsay and I went up to around Michigan City to spend a few days away this week and, and get refreshed and, and just um, recalibrate and get recharged. It was much needed, and, and I feel amazing because of it. So make sure that you're resting in the, in the midst of what's, always ha- what's happening right now and on a regular basis. So Lindsay and I, uh, we, go, we get some takeout because that's the only thing we can get, and we walk into this restaurant. It's family-owned and operated by um, a half-Italian and half-Greek family, and so they all live together. The, the lady who runs the restaurant, who owns the restaurant, her dad is there. He's like in his 80s, and, and she's scared because he's at the restaurant, going to be around people because he's older. And his, his, comp, his immune system can be compromised. But she was honestly just scared in general in, in a lot of different ways. Um, she had just got $10,000 worth of food um, shipped into her restaurant, knowing, not knowing what was going to happen. So she's cutting everything down to 40%. So she's losing money on the stuff, but at least she's making some money. And so She's scared because an Italian family back home in New York had, um, I guess some of them had died. And so she's just gripped with fear. Her two daughters who had come back from college are there. They're standing next to her. And I just said, hey, can I pray for you after she's telling me all this? And her response was this, please do. Like she she was almost begging for prayer. People out there are begging Even if they don't know it, they're begging for hope. They're begging for somebody to release peace, to release life, to release light in the midst of the darkness. And so I'm able to pray something that to me was a simple prayer, but you you could feel the atmosphere shift when the presence of God came. When the Holy Spirit came into the room, the fear had to leave, and both mother and one of the daughters are just are crying because of the relief that they experience in that moment. You and I signed up to do that. If you can't do that at the store, you can do it through social media. You can do it through text messages. You can do it through phone calls. 
You could go old school, do it through email. You, you can do it. There are lots of ways to release the kingdom. There are lots of ways to release the presence of God. You may not reali- realize this, but you are a powerful person and your prayers are powerful. When you open your mouth, whether it be through text, or whether it be on the phone, or whether it be on a live feed, or Marco Polo chat, or in person, there is light and life and love that's being released along with the sound that only you were created to release. And it is not just cutting through darkness, but it is destroying darkness everywhere that you go. Everywhere that that you, whether you physically put your foot there or you are physically there or you do it via all the things that I mentioned, those same things are going to be released. So don't think that you can't do anything because you absolutely can. And so let me close with this verse. First Corinthians 1510 in the Passion Translation. I've seen, I've seen Christians after they've been Christians for years. And this, is, this happened to me at one point. And it's almost like we forget where we came from. It's like we forget. We stop having so much love and compassion for those that are still messed up. Or even Christians that are immature, making poor choices. Because we forget that we are where we are because of the grace of God and not because of our own achievements, right? Your Christians say, say things that they just baffle me at times. Um, they, they, they uh, I won't mention any of them. And so being, knowing when to be quiet is a gift. If you didn't know that, I'm... <laughs> I don't know if I've received the full measure of it, but I, <laughs> I am growing into it. And so 1 Corinthians 15.10, the Passion Translation says this. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. But God's amazing grace has made me who I am. And his grace to me was not fruitless. In fact, I worked harder than all the rest, yet not in my own strength, but God's. For his empowering grace is poured out upon me. Let me read that again. But God's amazing grace has made me who I am. It's made us sons and daughters. It's made everything possible that we do in the kingdom and that we get to the privilege of doing. And his grace to me, to us, has not been fruitless. In fact, I worked harder than all the rest, not, yet not in my own strength, but God's. For his empowering grace is poured out upon me. One more verse it's a verse I read last week, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. The Apostle Paul is talking about the thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan that was sent to repeatedly strike him um, or to oppress him. And the Apostle Paul says, but he said to me, this is God's response to the Apostle Paul's prayer of saying, would you please make this stop? Would you please remove this attack from me? This is God's response. My grace is sufficient, which means enough for you. For my strength, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest 
upon me. God says, my grace is, I believe that's what he's saying to us right now. My grace is sufficient. Sometimes we're looking for God to remove darkness. I realize that his healing power is not only going to push back, but destroy the coronavirus because that's what Jesus paid for at the cross. Sin and sickness were paid for simultaneously at the cross. And so that was paid for. But when there's oppression coming, when darkness is coming, when fear is coming at us, trying to make us afraid, sometimes we're looking for God to deliver us from the fear. And he's saying, my grace is sufficient. It's enough. It's what you need. It will empower you. Remember, it will be the divine influence that will actually enable you to rise up to another level of sonship that you've never been at before because you've never faced this kind of opposition before. And realize that my strength, the Father's strength, is made perfect in weakness. That word strength is the word dunamis. Literally means miracle working power. What was the, what was the demonstration that Jesus gave to us? It wasn't only that he loved people well. It wasn't only that he had compassion on sinners, on, on prostitutes, on, on tax collectors, on the demon-possessed. It was that he was, it says it in 1 John 3, 8, in part B of the verse, that the Son of God was manifested for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. That's what you and I get to partner with. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Jesus has already won. And so we get to enforce the victory at this time. No better time. And so let's pray into that. We're, I want you to join with me in prayer for not only our city, not only our nation, not only the nations of the world, but I want you to join with me in prayer that the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ would go deeper in intimacy than we've ever been before, that we would actually get rooted and grounded in love in a way that we never have before, that we would realize the divine enablement that is upon our lives to turn everything around for good in a situation, no matter what it looks like, that no matter how dark it is around us, that we can actually release the hope of the world that will change people's perspectives. And I believe in this time, actually bring more people into the body of Christ, into the family of God than ever before. And so, Father, we thank you right now that in the midst of crisis, in the midst of what some people are calling pandemic, I thank you that the church is rising up through the grace that is empowering us as your kids to walk in everything that you predestined us to walk in. We thank you that there's an opportunity right now for us to conquer another aspect of darkness that we haven't had the opportunity to conquer. We thank you that the church in America is getting a little bit of the opportunity that the, the oppressed church in the the church overseas has been getting for a lot longer than us. We thank you that this is actually one of the greatest times, I believe, that the church uh, has been alive in because of what you're still doing and what you're go we're going to see you do through all of this. And so we pray fresh revelation of grace right now. No matter where people are at, no matter what their belief system is, I thank you for them realizing, us all realizing that we are powerful sons and daughters, that we have control over our thought life, that we can bring our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus, and that we can replace those thoughts with truth that is in your word 
that will bring hope not only to us, but the people around us. We thank you for fresh perspective, a perspective that grace gives us, that's going to help us to walk in and invite others in to this place of grace. We thank you for all that you're doing right now in the church, what you're doing through social media. And we thank you that as we continue to release hope, release life and love and light, every place that we go and every way that we possibly can, through all the avenues that you've given us, we thank you that our cities are going to be forever changed. We thank you that our state is going to be forever changed. We thank you that our nation is going to rise up in unity in this time like never before. We thank you that the news that's being released from TV stations that is not bringing hope but bringing fear is not going to be what impacts the world the most. It is going to be the news, the good news that comes from the gospel, that comes from the church, from the bride in this time. We thank you that we're getting this opportunity to realize who we are, and that we don't ever have to worry about not having enough. I just feel like that there's people that are watching or people that are going to watch that are fearing lack right now. I know that may not seem incredibly prophetic in the, in the times that are happening, but I felt like this truth was to be released. That God supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That that is every area of our life. He, did, he, he supplies all of our needs spiritually. He supplies all of our needs mentally and emotionally. He supplies all of our needs physically. He supplies every single need that we have. So if you fear lack right now, I just release peace. The shalom of heaven that breaks the authority that chaos thinks it has and that releases, <laughs> releases everything that we need releases everything that we need. So we thank you, Father, for breaking that chaos off from around people. We release peace into every home. We release peace into every family. We release peace into the streets and the stores, houses of our city. Release peace peace upon. We join with the prayers of all the sons and daughters across the earth, and we release peace over the nations of the world. The shalom, not just tranquility, not just to be at rest, but actually to bring wholeness in the midst of everything that's going on, to break the authority of chaos in the midst of everything that is going on. We release peace. We thank you for it coming upon every person, believers and unbelievers alike. And we thank you for the light of the gospel being shown brighter than ever before. We thank you for the revelation of the gospel coming in ways, in an increased way, like it hasn't had an opportunity to in our particular nation, but every nation. We thank you that this will not limit us in our reach, but will actually cause us to have increased influence in this time across all the earth. We thank you, not just for revival that's coming, but revival that's happening. We thank you that the church is waking up to the truth of who she is. We thank you that we get to be a part of it. 
Thank you that we get to be a part of it. I just say more of your presence upon every person right now. More of your presence right now. More of your presence right now. And for every person that's sick, if you've got pain, if you're dealing with respiratory issues and you may be freaking out because of that, I, I get it. I totally do. We're not obviously going to have you're not going to be able to come up here for prayer, and so I'm going to be your prayer team today. I'm just going to release Holy Spirit into your house upon you to do whatever is necessary. And so Holy Spirit, come. Come with everything Jesus paid for upon every person that this gets streamed to. Come. Come. Come with healing. Come with healing for bodies, for, for lungs. Yeah, come with healing right now. We thank you for it. Thank you for releasing people from heaviness that they've been experiencing. Thank you, Father. And for all those that are fearing lack, thank you for the revelation that you are more than enough. That you're the God we've seen multiply food when there were just a few fish and a couple loaves of bread. <laughs> so you've multiplied food for thousands of people that you brought money out of a, a fish's mouth when Jesus told Peter to go catch a fish. And it's just, it's after my heart when you're fishing, but he told him to go catch a fish and pull that coin out of his mouth to pay taxes. There isn't any way that you can't provide. I thank you that this opportunity actually is going to show us ways that we haven't needed to look for provision. And you doing miraculous, supernatural things to provide if necessary. But ultimately, we thank you that everything is shifting. Even if we don't see it in the news cycle yet, we thank you that it's shifting. We thank you for the coronavirus dying. We thank you for it not just being depleted, but destroyed. We release healing right now upon every single person that's in the hospital with, that's been diagnosed with it, whether it's in our nation or other nations. We say be healed to every single body in Jesus' name. <laughs> Thank you, Father. I just want to remind you before we get off here that people are looking for hope. You've got the grace to do it. You've got the grace to release it. You were made for this. You and I were made for moments like this. This is not a time to, to back down, but this is a time to, to band together in unity as the church, not just as one particular church, but as all churches, uh, to, be, to be praying together. Like I said, use social media, to be doing worship, worshiping together, whatever it looks like. This is a time for us to grow in unity, and in turn, we're going to grow in numbers because God's glory is being released throughout the earth. And he's being recognized for who he really is as a good father. The one who sent Jesus. He's that good. And so we love you guys. We thank you for tuning in. We bless you in this coming week. As of right now, we're planning on doing Wednesday service, Facebook Live also. Unless something drastically changes. But look for an announcement on Tuesday. I will send out a video announcement on Tuesday on our Facebook, and you'll know exactly what's going to happen for the coming week. We're taking it week by week.
And so we'll, but we'll plan on Wednesday Facebook Live for right now. You guys enjoy the rest of your day and just send us testimonies. If things happened while you were watching, if you had an encounter, if your body got healed, um, if you experienced peace, if you don't feel fear anymore and you, and you did, send us those testimonies so that we can, we can tell people, look, look what God's doing through social media. Look, it, it's, he's, it's not hindering um, the kingdom from advancing. Uh, it's actually giving us global influence uh, in a way that some of us weren't recognizing that we, we should have been. And so, again, we bless you guys. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.